kind of crisis it is. A crisis at work, a crisis at home, a personal crisis, a spiritual theological crisis, a social, political crisis. Times of, of intense difficulty and, and trouble demand so much of our bodies, of our minds, of our hearts, of our souls. They can leave us feeling lifeless and, and dried up. We're not just going through one crisis right now. I would argue that we're going through four collectively. A public health crisis, an economic crisis, a racial injustice crisis, a national identity crisis. You're probably going through additional ones on a personal or, or family level too. Crises can suck the life out of you. Like a massive hurricane over the Atlantic Ocean that's just sucking in and pulling in all of the energy and the moisture from the warm water. Our current crises are, are sucking life out of us. They're consuming so much of our, of our mental, physical, emotional energy. And to a certain degree, rightly so. I mean, there are some crises that warrant our attention and our energy our undivided attention to, to help mitigate them. But a crisis does more taking than giving. And if we live in them and in the midst of them and don't find a life that transcends the crisis, then we will find ourselves dried up and lifeless. Fortunately, fortunately there is a source of life. A giver of life, not a, a taker. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Because it seems whatever the Holy Spirit touches, whatever the Holy Spirit dwells in, comes to life and truly lives. And that's what Paul reminds us today. And remember, Paul is writing to a church in Rome in a time of crisis. And this is what he says, dear church, we live in the spirit. We live in the spirit. Let us pray. Almighty God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us, transform us, that we might bear fruit for you and your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. I invite you to listen for God's word. So now there isn't any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. God has done what was impossible for the law since it was weak because of selfishness. God condemned sin in the body by sending his own son to deal with sin in the same body as humans who are controlled by sin. He did this so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now the way we live is based on the spirit, not based on selfishness. People whose lives are based on selfishness think about selfish things, but people whose lives are based on the spirit think about things that are related to the spirit. The attitude that comes from selfishness leads to death. But the attitude that comes from the Spirit leads to life and peace. So the attitude that comes from selfishness is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law because it can't. People who are self-centered aren't able to please God. But you aren't self-centered. Instead, you are in the Spirit. 
if in fact God's spirit lives in you. If anyone doesn't have the spirit of Christ, they don't belong to him. If Christ is in you, the spirit is your life because of God's righteousness. But the body is dead because of sin. If the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, the one who raised Jesus from the dead will give life to your human bodies also through his spirit that lives in you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, Paul's beautiful words about living in the spirit are in in two beautiful dimensions. First, he tells us that living in the spirit means that our lives are based on the spirit or, or are aimed toward, guided by the spirit. Paul just takes it for granted that someone who has come to faith in Christ, someone who has been set right, made a part of God's family, someone who has and is being transformed by God's grace, now lives based on the Spirit. There isn't any condemnation in Jesus. For those in Jesus, he says, we don't have to live under a low, dark, hanging cloud anymore. We don't have to live under the crisis of sin or any other kind of crisis. The Spirit has cleared the air. So he says, now the way we live is based on the Spirit and not based on selfishness. In other words, living in the Spirit means the Holy Spirit and the things of the Spirit influence our thoughts, our words, our actions, our very life. The Holy Spirit is our guide. All we have, all we are is oriented toward the Spirit and not toward ourselves. People whose lives are based on selfishness think about selfish things, Paul says. That's like a plant trying to get life and nourishment by aiming and curving in on itself instead of the sun. It just doesn't work, right? When we live a life that's taken up by getting what we want and getting others to do what we want, we wind up choking the life out of ourselves. That's why Paul says the attitude that comes from selfishness leads to death. The attitude that comes from the spirit leads to life and peace. I'm reminded of the ancient myth of Narcissus. Narcissus was known for being handsome. The sexiest man alive of the ancient world, if you will. But he was so vain, so egocentric, and self-absorbed that he snubbed all those who tried to love him. As a result, one of the gods led him to a, a pool of water where he fell in love with his own reflection. However, when he realized that it was only his own reflection, he lay down and died. And in his place grew a a lily called the Narcissus. Now it's tragic, of course. Here's a man who everyone loved, and yet he was so turned in upon himself that he cut himself off from the joy and the life and the love that were available all around him. And that can be easier than you think, particularly in in, in moments of crisis. When crisis comes, it can be very easy to become self-absorbed because we're trying so hard to to protect ourselves and we're in survival mode that we can easily become egocentric and consumed with just ourselves and nobody else. There's a difference between self-care and self-idolatry. 
Now hear me when, when I say it's important in crisis to love and care for ourselves. However, if our life is based on selfishness, if we're so turned in on ourselves already instead of the spirit, when moments of crisis come, we fail to realize the, the influence that our actions have on others. We're trapped in our own heads looking at what, what's going on in the world around us, failing to recognize our own role in it. We lose empathy and a willingness to give and share love. Paul's saying, we're, we're not like that anymore. We're not like that anymore. We are not narcissists. Maybe we used to be, but not when the Holy Spirit came to live with us. We, we live based on the Spirit. We live in the Spirit. We don't fall in love with our own reflection and turn inward in self-preoccupation and, and egocentricity defined by greed, narcissism, lack of empathy, belittling others, manipulation, exploitation. No, no, we look out and around or we look more deeply within ourselves where the Spirit is. Even in the midst of crises, looking at the Spirit and the things of the spirit, things like whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is right, things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, things like the spirit telling us that we are loved by God, things like healing and hope, things like a prophetic word when a challenging word is needed, things like the amazing gifts that the spirit has given to each of us to use for God and for good. And that's what defines us and influences our life. The power of the Holy Spirit in us to change and pivot what we value and desire changes how we live. Living in the Spirit in a crisis actually should make us selfless because we're able to see the Spirit pointing us to other people who are struggling too. That's the first dimension of living in the Spirit. Dear church, we live in the Spirit. The second dimension is that living in the Spirit means that the Holy Spirit actually gives us resurrection life when we're dead and dried up. Remember, whatever the Holy Spirit touches comes to life. Paul says, if the Spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, the one who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your bodies also. That's an incredible promise, an incredible promise. The truth that whatever the Spirit touches comes alive is true from the very beginning of it all. When God created the heavens and the earth and, and the earth and was a dark and formless void, the Spirit of God hovered over the chaos and brought forth life. When God created human beings, God breathed into the dust of the earth. The Spirit, the spirit touched dirt and humanity was born, came alive. When Israel was all dried up like dry bones because of the crisis of exile, without hope, without home, without a future, God brought a prophet named Ezekiel in a vision to a valley of dry bones and told him to speak to the breath, to the spirit, breathe and live. And when the spirit, and when he did, the spirit caused those dry bones to, to rattle and come together and the spirit put sinews and flesh on them and they became living beings. And God said, I, I know this isn't a vision, but I, I'm going to actually do that to my people Israel with the Holy Spirit. I will put my breath in you and you will live. We might be feeling like dry bones right now in the midst of these crises, but the Spirit of God says, live, live. God will give life to us also, even now, 
Just like the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. And when the Holy Spirit touched the hearts and lives of Jesus' followers after the crisis of his death and surprising resurrection, the church came to life and was born. Whatever the Holy Spirit touches comes to life, comes alive. Paul is saying not only has the Holy Spirit touched us, the Holy Spirit lives in us. The same Holy Spirit that brought forth life at the beginning of creation the same spirit that breathed into dust to form human beings, the same spirit that made dry bones and hearts come alive, the same spirit responsible for the birth of Jesus, the same spirit that raised this same Jesus from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that birthed the church lives in us. And because of that, we live, we experience true, full, abundant life in the spirit god will give life to us not just in the resurrection one day i mean that's amazing in and of itself but the spirit will give us life right now when we feel dead and dried up and cut off when we need it the most in the winter of 1925 a deadly outbreak of diphtheria in the remote port of Nome, Alaska, threatened the lives of 10,000-plus people living in the area, and children were particularly susceptible and at risk. And of course, Nome's isolated situation created a nightmare scenario. An antitoxin, a serum, was located, but the nearest point that the serum could be reached by rail was Ninana, located 674 miles from Nome. With a blizzard approaching, air travel was ruled out. Officials determined that the only way to deliver the serum was via sled dog teams. A relay of teams was assembled, including the team of Leonard Seppala, Alaska's most famous musher. Amazingly, in just five and a half days, the great race of mercy, as it became known, was completed and this life-saving serum was delivered to Nome. And while the lead dog of the 53-mile the final leg, Balto, would become famous for his part, many argue that it was Sepala and his Siberian Husky lead dog, Togo, who are the true saviors of the day. All told, 12-year-old Togo and Sepala traversed an astounding 264 miles for their leg compared to the average of 31 miles for each of the other teams all to ensure that life-saving medication reached those in crisis, that nothing would get in the way. Friends, no crisis, no crisis will ever stop the Holy Spirit from reaching us, from touching us, from giving us life. When we feel like all the life is being just sucked out of us by a perfect storm of crises, when everywhere we look, everywhere we turn, looks like a storm-ravaged landscape. When we feel cut off, the Spirit is giving us life, even now, especially now. If the inevitable deaths of our bodies cannot, cannot stop or deny the life of God's Spirit, then no crisis will either. And when we're animated by the Spirit, we experience a life that allows us to live in the crisis, to respond to the crisis and not be overcome by the crisis. In fact, we experience a life that we can share with others, also experiencing intense difficulty and trouble. And we ensure that the Holy Spirit touches them, too. Dear church, 
We live in the Spirit. We live in the Spirit. We live in the Spirit. That's a gift and a demand that go hand in hand. What God demands of us, God has already given to us. We are to live in the Spirit because we live in the Spirit. We live in the Spirit who lives in us. And whatever the Spirit touches comes alive. No matter what. Can you feel dry bones rattling? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.